Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher. I'm also known as the Food Healer. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking about buffalo with Mike Meese of the Buffalo Field Campaign. I know very little about these animals and I'm really excited to talk to him and learn a lot more. So let's get started. Hey, Mike, are you there? Yes. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to come on the show for, with me. Um, how are you doing today? Good. Good. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I'm really excited that you know Galicia. Um, she's a pretty amazing person. And so when she contacted me about this interview, I was really excited because I've been looking to do a show on Buffalo, and I just didn't find the right person. So right. thanks for being on. <laughs> Very well, you, you found someone that knows a little bit anyway. <laughs> so let's get started. My first question is pretty basic. Are buffalo and bison the same animal? Yes, exactly. Um, the correct scientific name is bison, bison, bison. But um, as soon as they came on the continent, they've been most commonly known as buffalo. And it's proper to use either one is acceptable. Okay. And so um, I know you're with the Buffalo Field Campaign. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, basically we're a nonprofit organization that is basically a watchdog of our nation's last wild, free-roaming, genetically pure buffalo that we have left in America that reside in the Yellowstone ecosystem. Unfortunately, due to a disease that was given to them by cows and the rest of our wildlife, I might add, in our ecosystem, the state of Montana cattle interest has made a mandatory plan that basically has zero tolerance for the bison to migrate outside of the high elevations of the Yellowstone Park into the, you know, to the wow. places where the grasses are, you know, easier accessible in the winter. Yeah. And so they either have a hunt, which basically kills everything that walks outside of the border, oh or they do a roundup and slaughter, and they're trying to keep this population down to 3,000, which, you know, of the last of its kind of a species. Is, is we're managing for these cows that aren't even here. And it's just, you know, another subsidy for the cattle industry and another, wow. you know, limiting our wildlife and the one place they exist to be able to exist because bison migrate. That's what they do. So we're basically talking about like 3,000 for the entire country. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, wow. recently probably people have heard that our national mammal is now the bison. Yeah. And basically what they in in that bill they put a rider on it that basically said this does not include abolishing any of our previously approved gover government management plans and that's what's is going on now and so these bison um you know 
there's over 600,000 bison in the United States, but what they don't tell you is less than 10,000 of those are genetically pure and not what I refer to as beefalo. They're mixed with the cattle bovine gene, but physically looking at them, you could never tell the difference. Really? But their genetic makeup is they're not pure buffalo. And so the only ones that aren't behind fences, grass-fed, and essentially domesticated mm -hmm. are the Yellowstone herd. They're the genetic jewel. They were saved from the descendants of 30 to 60 million that used to you know, roam wow. continent North America. Wow. And so this herd is extremely unique. But somehow the state of Montana has got the U.S. taxpayers funding this management program that basically culls them and kills anyone that dares to migrate out of the park in the winter. And, you know, this year they killed over 600. Their goal was to kill 900. Oh my God. So they didn't get enough. And so annually, you know, and then <laughs> the sad thing is they they pull in the Native Americans through their treaty rights and they get them to do the dirty work and make them stand at the borders and hunt them in times when, when no one would really hunt, you know, February, wow. March, when the moms are, you know, a month away from giving birth. They have just survived a harsh Montana Yellowstone winter and their fat reserves are almost unempty. Yeah. And so it's just an insult, you know, that... Here we have the last vestige of this beautiful animal that's an icon of this continent. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, I'm blown away. I would have thought that the Native Americans would have been working more on conservation. So I'm kind of... Well well, they, they do, but unfortunately, you know, this is the only way that they can have their treaty rights recognized mm. by both the, U, the federal government and both the state government. And so they're kind of forced into assisting in this management plan through their treaty rights. But, of course, you know, I, I've got board members that are one of the treaty rights um, tribes. And, mm -hmm. you know, the hope is down the road, once these treaties have been recognized and, and reputable, then we can go back and say, look, um, this management plan guarantees that there will never be buffalo in any of our future, and so your management plan is a violation of our treaty rights. And so hopefully that's, that's something that we will be able, you know, to have the tribes implement here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think that that would be something. That would, I mean, I don't know much about this and these kind of issues, but I would think that if you could get that, that would really, really help all the delegation and just kind of make it a lot more cut and dry than just a bunch of people, you know, with signs up being like, save the buffalo. You know, at least they've got reasons, so that should help. Exactly. But, we, you know, we're getting there. We've unfortunately been at this for 19 years, and, you know, just hearing you say, oh, I've never heard of this issue tells us I know, I'm really you know, sorry. <laughs> how much work we, we still need to do, but... You know, we're gaining traction. Our governor actually opened up some habitat to let the buffalo out of the park year-round, and it's part of their calving grounds over in a place called Horse Butte. Oh, nice. And so, you know, thing, you know, and he kind of force-fed this change, and we're getting there, you know. But yeah. unfortunately, as, as we know in today's world, progress certainly crawls at a snail's pace at best. Yeah, and, no kidding. You know, right? Especially with I mean, animal we issues. Live in today's world it's 
you know, we can't even get along with each other. How the hell can we care about another species or a different animal, you know? Totally. It's it's confusing times, but I think, you know, most people are starting to see through it, you know? That's why... We, we're, we're getting there, but the, the key in life, I think, is endless pressure, endlessly applied, mm-hmm. will create change. And that's a quote from one of my favorite people in the world, Brock Evans. He was one of the authors of the Endangered Species Act. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, one of the hard things that you guys have going for you is that, you know, uh, buffalo are beautiful, majestic animals. Don't get me wrong. But unfortunately, you don't have, like, the cute fuzzy factor behind you, you know, because if it's some, like, bunny or something, people tend to jump on that more. It's like when people see it's either like you go the dramatic, like the tigers and the lions and the elephants, or you go for, like, you know, save the really cute sea otter or whatever but the animals in the middle seem to lose out a lot on this kind of thing it's what i keep seeing over and over on this show and the bison i mean you know they're our icon they are just because i mean they're on our money you know just that alone you would think that we would have more respect for these animals than we do well one of the saddest things too is one of the groups that got sucked into you know sending them to slaughter and being a heavy part of the management is the park service oh. yeah our united states park service ships the vast majority of them to slaughter and on their insignia there's a bison you know and oh. none of these guys join the park service to kill wildlife yeah. but they've been given this ultimatum if you don't do it you'll get fired and we'll get someone else in that will and yeah. You know, it just kind of really what it comes down to is the strength of the cattle barons of the West and how they still have so much pull and clout in today's world. Because, I mean, you look at the cattle industry, especially in the state of Montana, and it's a break-even business at best. Really? If If they weren't receiving all these government subsidies and everything, I mean, they would be at best breaking even. And so it's like... Why is their lifestyle more important than everyone's? I yeah. mean, this is the last place we have wild bison. Why can't we make a little room? And we're talking about states like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. We're blessed with so much national forest, public land, yeah. and we still have these wildlife. So, you know, it's it's a matter of them not willing to compromise. I mean, the elk have this disease, too. The elk are the only ones that have ever spread it. A bison has never even and spread it other than in a laboratory and so essentially but they don't do anything to the elf so it's a it's a prejudice and the hidden agenda is they don't want bison to be recognized as a wildlife species because they're entitled to the grass and they think all grass on our national forest and public land belongs to the cows and that's that's just another reason why you know, we got to understand that. Do we want these domestic cows that were shipped over here from Europe? Yeah. I mean, I understand people eat them and everything like that, but, you know, they don't have to control our wild lands and our wild places. I mean, this is the last place we have wild, free-ranging buffalo in this whole country. Wow. And we can't make a little room for them. So, you know, that's that's what we're up against. But people are really starting to see through it and, you know, thanks to people like you picking up interest in the story and helping us, as we like to say, spread the word to save the herd, you know. Oh, that's that's great. 
And that's how we create change. And, you know, thank goodness for alternative media, because without it, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. We'd all probably vote for Trump. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, careful, I'm a New Yorker, my friend. It's like, that'll not happen in my studio anyway. Won't happen in this chair. That much I can promise you. But, no, I hear you, man. And it's, it's, you know... It's a really interesting thing, too, because, I mean, I think really what the driving force is in this country that's lacking on so many levels is education. Because as right. soon as people start hearing, you know, about, you know, animals or whatever it is, and they find out, start learning, like, what the purpose of that thing is in on our planet. Because the longer I'm doing this show, the more I'm discovering that everything that's on here has a certain job. And, you know, we've got this very, very intense ecological web that we're trying to balance. And with everything going on these days, things are tipping left, right, and center. It's like being on a ship, you know, at high sea. And it's really, it's really, really scary to see, you know, these people at this level of ignorance that it can be of like, well, it gets in my way, so just kill it. And it's like you don't understand that this could have, like, really serious repercussions in the future. Right. You know, well, so th- I mean, you know, it's the one thing is we all share this one planet, planet and that's the reality. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter who's doing the bad thing. It's going to come in a circular way right back to us. And, you know, we, we just... That's what I think the buffalo teach us the most is community mm-hmm. and taking care of one another. Like in the buffalo world, they have leaders too, but their leaders are just there to make sure the entire herd survives. And when one gets injured, well, they all come over and help them. And, wow. You know, it's like they walk through the deep winter snows and they go in single file. And wow. when the lead one gets tired, they step to the side and then they jump in at the end of the line where all the snow's been cloud and you know when they get shot in the hunts and things they have a physical mourning process they go through and you know just just the behaviors and how the importance of their community their tribe their herd whatever you want to label it Mm -hmm. is is i think lessons humanity could learn a lot from you know yeah i know right the rich never want to help the poor but you know they don't realize that the poor are the ones that make them rich oh please this is this is (laughs) i mean you're you're talking about new york right now what's happening here the rentals are so high cost of living in new york is it's at the point where i think it's fair to say it's pornographic and you know the rents are getting (laughs) higher and higher and higher and you know everyone that's middle level or you know people like janitors retail shop clerks secretaries all of that. Nobody can afford to live in the city anymore because it's so freaking expensive. So everyone's moving out. So, oh, my God, we have a shortage of, like, you know, staff. And right. it's like, well, duh, I could have told you this was going to happen 20 years ago. You know, it's like of with course. greed just comes so many problems. And, I mean, with the Buffalo, what's sad to me is that the most I've heard about Buffalo in, like, the past 5, 10 years is about eating them. You know, and right. not as much about as the animal itself. It's like, oh, it's lean and high in protein and it's going to make you sexy and thin. And it's like, but what about this animal? <laughs> Who's this animal? Right. And, you know, that's the thing is because we have reduced it every, everything to no relationship yeah. to just, you know, what's in it for us. And, you know, the, the buffalo also have the gift of migrating and not overgrazing. And when a buffalo comes through an area, they eat the grasses, they spill the seeds, their hoofs are shaped as such that they retill the soil. And then, of course, the magic fertilizer out the back end yep. and they re- 
regenerate, and they'll come through the same areas every year just for a little bit of time to know that they replant and seed it. Then you think of the history of this country, you know? Yeah. When we used to have the 14-foot-tall grasslands out oh my on God. the prairie, and those were 100% <laughs> dependent on the bison migration coming through there and replanting it. And, you know, once wow. the bison left, so did the everything that, you know, and that's what we don't look at things, too. We always individualize, and, you know, we're guilty of that, too, because yeah. we're just talking about bison, but, you know, it's an ecosystem. It's dependent on the predators, the wolves that mm-hmm. all the ranchers hate, the grizzly bears they hate, you know, and <laughs> totally. it's all it's all about habitat and leaving a little room for the wild to still be wild, because they don't need our help, and I think that's what everyone is so inherently scared of, is that there's things that can live on this earth that don't need our assistance or yeah, no can't kidding, make right? them better. <laughs> They're perfect already. And, you know, so if we could just kick back and study and learn and watch and observe, we might find solutions for our whole planet and our whole world through taking that time to listen. Right. I mean, now you're, you're talking crazy talk now, Mike. No, I'm with you 100%. Well, I'm you so know, with Bernie you. Sanders <laughs> is helping us all, too. So. <laughs> totally. Now, I'm with you 100%. I think that's a really, really great point. We need to take a quick break for station identification. So I am talking to Mike Mees of the Buffalo Field Campaign. We'll be back in about, I don't know, minute, minute and a half. So stay tuned. Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored Barn Loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadow's trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Ann Saxelby said, Kunick, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the Cheese and Spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. We are back from our break. I am talking to Mike Mees of the Buffalo Field Campaign, all about buffaloes on the west part of this country. And I'm kind of fascinated at what's going on with them. I mean, as Mike and I were saying earlier, 
you don't hear a lot about Buffalo. We hear about them in our history and like, you know, oh, they're on an old nickel. And, oh, yeah, Native Americans and them are really tight and this kind of thing. But kind of like what's happening to them now. And um, kind of fascinated with this. So, Mike, I want to switch it for a minute and just talk about the animal itself. So, like, how big is an adult buffalo? Well, a big, full-grown male can be in excess of 2,000 pounds. Oh, wow. And they can run faster than a thoroughbred racehorse. Really? And they can jump a fence higher than six feet tall at a standstill. No way. They're not designed to jump when they're running, so it's kind of a unique thing to see. Have you ever seen that? What's that? Have you ever seen that? That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they go, they kind of walk up to the fence. They put their head and their beard on the other side, and then they do this funky little jump, and poof, they're over the fence. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's amazing to watch. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, you know, they just kind of look like billboards. They don't look like they'd be fast or agile or limber or be able to jump six foot. I mean, I, that's, I come from a horse background, so I'm like, holy cow. That's pretty amazing. And actually, yeah. a million years ago, there was some dude who I saw in Pennsylvania who had broken a buffalo that was named Chief to ride Western. And we were at a big, huge competition. And this guy had taught this buffalo dressage. He taught this thing everything. All of us were watching kind of like, wow, our horses can't even do that. So, I mean, I'm assuming they're hyper smart. Yeah, they certainly are. And every, you know, I've I've been spending the last 20 years of my life with them. And every time I think I have a part of them figured out, they humble me and let me know I'm still got learning and have a lot <laughs> more to learn. So, but, you know, you think of like, I had the honor of starting this group with a traditional Lakota elder, Rosalie Little Thunder. Oh, wow. And um, she passed away a couple of years ago. But, mm. you know, when we first started this out, she came to me and she was like, you know, these animals that you feel so strongly to protect. Well, I come from a nation that calls itself Tatanko Oyate. And the closest that translates to your language is I come from the Buffalo Nation. Oh, wow. and these animals that you've chosen to protect are, are not animals to me and my people. They're our relatives, and that's how sacred they are. And that sediment is very much carried throughout the, the Plains tribes of, of the West, wow. you know, and throughout the vast majority of the United States because it was their lifeblood for so long. It was, you know, their skins were used for their teepees, the bones for all their tools, mm -hmm. obviously the food, but it was everything to them and their ceremonies, their sacred, you know, piercing ceremonies they do annually at the Sundance. They drag buffalo skulls around and, oh, wow. you know, their sacrifices given back to these sacred beings. And so, you know, we're, we're also very plugged in and connected to a lot of traditional Native Americans that still um, carry these buffalo in such reverence. And mm -hmm. so well, we can't work on this issue without involving Native Americans, in my honest opinion. Good. So that's something that, that we hold in reverence as well. Good. And I think that's really important because, I mean, you know, they were all here between the Native Americans and the buffalo. They were here long before we came and started screwing up this place. So I think the, the symbiosity, if that's a word, of them working together is, I don't know. We're, we're, we're trying to, Mike, humor me. <laughs> I 
hear you fancy New Yorkers are always coming up with big words. I know. We're classy <laughs> like that. We just make them up, baby. We don't know what we're talking about. It makes us sound hip and educated, you know. <laughs> So we were talking earlier about, um, I guess, like the pure strain of wild buffalo that's left. And one of the things that I saw on your fax page is that you're having issues with people that want you guys to vaccinate this wild herd. I mean, what's the story with that? Well, first off, they don't even have a vaccine that works. Then second off, how do you vaccinate the entire Yellowstone ecosystems, not just Yellowstone buffalo, but yeah. elk, all the other species that carry it. I mean, oh the one thing we, one of the things we've been fighting them on is if you want to go the vaccine route, let's go to the cows. They live behind pastures. Seriously. You round them up numerous times a year. You vaccinate them for numerous other things anyway. Why not involve the controllable element here? But really, the disease is kind of a farce. It's just, it's not a lethal. It, it makes a cow abort her first calf and then it moves out of her body and that's the end of it and it's not this life-threatening death you know sentence for everything and everyone and you know finally what's been holding back a lot of science on it is this used to be listed brucella abortus under the bioterrorism um, diseases oh, wow. and so the government could only be the people that do the research on it well it's oh. finally gotten cleared from that list and so now the potential to remove, you know, and that's the other ironic thing is they have a vaccine that's rated somewhere 60 to 85 percent effective, mm -hmm. but that's not good enough for them. They want a vaccine that's 100 percent effective. Well, we as humans, most vaccines we get are rated somewhere between 60 and 80 percent totally. effective. So totally. essentially, they're asking for a higher standard of living for cows than for human beings. And so, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like I said, the elk have transmitted the disease. They don't even do anything to them or list them as a problem. And it's a sole prejudice by placed only on the buffalo. And it's, you know, to me, it's, it's an insult. It's... These are beautiful, sacred beings yeah. to so many of the first peoples of this country and an icon for us, the settlers that came over here. And, you know, it's like, why can't we make a little room to let them roam again? We have the technology. We have the space. Yeah, we have we the know-it-all. We just got to have the want and the people's voice to back it. And in um, November of 2014, we initiated a endangered species listing. And so that's an ongoing process. But that's one of the routes we've chose to try and protect them. So. That's cool. And then... Um, my engineer and I were chatting quickly during the break. Wasn't there, I don't remember when it was in the 70s or like early 80s, when there were real problems with the numbers, like the numbers of buffalo, and they were almost extincted and they brought them back? Is that true? Well, I mean, we we killed down the Yellowstone herd to 23 animals, and they said that was the last wild herd we had left, and that was from the 30 to 60 million. And at that <sighs> point, we sent out the U.S. Cavalry to protect them, and we eventually started the National Park System for protection of the buffalo, and Yellowstone wow. was our first national park. And so it's so ironic that here we are. 
you know, 130 years later, basically killing them for the same reason again. And it's just, you know, you'd hope we would evolve a bit. But one thing I love about this campaign is mm-hmm. that any anyone that wants to can be part of it. And, um, you know, like the person that asked you to have me on yeah. was came out here and volunteered. And so basically all it costs you is to, to fill out an application, which doesn't cost anything, and then your travel here and back. And then we have um, your food, your accommodations, skis or snowshoes during the winter, whatever you need. And wow. people come out for two weeks to however long we cater to a vegan diet, but we also work with Native Americans. And awesome. We have locally harvested meat only and fish from our rivers and streams, but there's no factory farm foods. And, you know, we're not just all activists. People of all walks of life come to help the buffalo. And, you know, it's also teaching us how to live together again and be part of something that's not necessarily for our own selfish benefit, but for something we're hoping to leave as a legacy for our children. And so, you know, go to our website. It's just buffalofieldcampaign.org. And, you know, there's a million things you can do to be involved, but I think the most important of it all is tell a couple friends that this is happening because, you know, people just don't know that this is a reality. And so any way that you can help spread the word to save the herd will will do a lot of good. I mean, I I would love to keep in touch with you guys, and I'd love to do a follow-up story in the future. And, I mean, for me, I'm sitting here just thinking about it. You know, I mean, this show's animal-based, and I do a lot of work with animals outside of being in the station. And it's so sad to me because I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, all right, what have I heard about buffalo in, like, the past two years? And it's like, oh, there's a new pet food that's got the protein, and it's buffalo. And it's like, no, that's not going to (laughs) work. Let's see what else we got. And then, like, quick little snippets in the news. Like, honestly, before I spoke to you, I didn't even know that the buffalo were officially our, our national animal. I thought it was still being campaigned. So it's just, you know, we're so obsessed with, like trivial ridiculousness for news in this country that sadly it uh, you know it shadows out a lot of things that are really important and for me i mean you know this is the type of thing that you've got someone who's like you know i've been living in this prairie for 80 years and there used to be you know this beautiful pink flower every spring that came and now it doesn't come anymore and i don't know why that is i mean that's part it could be the buffalo and things like that like those little tiny details that all finally add up that people just don't understand people be like screwed it's a flower whatever there's so much more than that. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. It's it, whoever, whatever your beliefs, but whoever created this earth did it pretty perfect. Yeah, they did. But there was everything that we needed to live here, and then we turned it into hell. You mm-hmm. know, we, exactly. <laughs> we decided to monocrop and just have the animals we wanted to eat, and you know, just take away from what nature was given us. And now there's these last vestiges of little dots of what nature used to be. Yeah. And we call them parks or something, but, you know, this earth was here to take care of us, and and it had everything we ever needed, and we're the ones that threw it away. So in these last couple of dots, these last couple places where it still does exist, I think it's our 
duty to recognize that this is important and this is something we want to save to at least remember what it was like down the road and to let our kids have that opportunity and their kids. And, you know, that's what I really don't like about our government and our way we live. We don't have any vision or foresight for the future. We just react to problems. And, you know, we're not doing anything that we're leaving our kids anything to be proud of. Oh, come on. Reality TV is a big deal, Mike. (laughs) Right, you but. know, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're we're obsessed with making money. I mean, this is what it is now. It's you know, instant gratification, money, and short-term goals, and it doesn't work that way, as you and I both know, and as you know, everybody knows. Like you know, it's just it's so Machiavellian, and it's it's not a good thing. It's and we're going to realize this when it's all too late, and that's why I really appreciate guys like you and your organizations like this because. You know, it's one of these things that is the more you find out, the more you're like, oh, my God, we need to do something, you know, but until you know, you just don't you just don't have a clue. You're too busy, you know, changing the channels and seeing like, you know, what's happening with the Kardashians this week or, you know, all this useless information that people are obsessed with these days. Exactly, and don't look outside their front window to see the problems, but that's all part of their distractions, yep. you know? It's like we're we're too worried about getting blown up by terrorists or, you know, yeah. our, our schools aren't safe. There's a school shooting is, is like second-page news now. It doesn't even make the... I mean, our society has become so numb to... You know, and that's that's I think part of the numbing is making us be scared of the wild. Oh yeah, things we can't control of things that don't need us to survive. And you know, mm-hmm. there's a beauty in that too. You know, it's there's something that's real important where we're not the the number one species in the woods when we're hiking around. You know, I, I, it's so there's true. There's a humbleness of beauty in that, and you know, hopefully people still see worth and understand why that has worth and and want that in their life, you know? You know, that's a damn good point. It's like, you know, as time moves along, we're getting more and more disconnected from nature. People are never leaving their homes and are watching, you know, doing hikes. I'm like, Yellowstone and the Tetons, like, online and groovy things like that. So I think that, you know, it's very, very easy to become separated from it. And, you know, fear is a powerful motivator. So instead of, like, I had a wolf show on and we we're talking about the wolf populations and why they're needed and things. And it's just, you say wolf and people freak out. And it's like, really, it's okay. You know, and I'm in Brooklyn right now. And let me tell you, we see a raccoon down the street. And I mean, it is mayhem. These people have no idea. <laughs> it's hysterical. I mean, you can tell where he is because you can hear people in the neighborhood screaming raccoon when he walks by them. But like, I mean, we are this disconnected. There's a possum that somehow the poor things wound up in my neighborhood. People don't know what it is. They're like, there's some freaky looking cat thing over there it's like that's a possum <laughs> right. you know and it's like oh man we're in trouble <laughs> it's like we're in big trouble it's yeah. like we need to get stepped back and you know for people with kids take a kid for a hike man get out there like send them to a camp for a summer do something so that that generation hopefully will have a chance and understand how important this you know nature's beautiful but it's also extraordinarily important for the entire balance of this planet so, right. you know, let's save more and try to help each other out a little bit more, because if not, we're all in deep trouble. Well, I can't disagree with you a bit. I know. This is, we got we to change this, Mike. This just went downhill fast. <laughs> this is kind of like, ugh. So tell well, me. I like, mean, there is. 
is hope, though. I mean, I think, you know, even with with every religion, it's based on good things, and they get manipulated down wrong roads sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, just, I mean, we live in a, in a world where half the people won't even agree that we're contributing to the hole in the ozone. Yeah, no kidding. We live in a world where there's a vast majority of people that don't even think there were human beings until 4,000 years ago, you know? Yeah, it's that's like, a good point. We're up against some hurdles, but <laughs> I think everyone in their hearts come from good places, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just who they buy into, what channel they listen to, whether it's the Fox rhetoric to make you want to hate everyone else that isn't like them or the liberal side. And, you know, I've never seen our country so divided where, where we don't just you know, disagree, but literally hate the other side. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, that's not going to heal anything ever. No, it's and like, discussion's important. You know, that it makes me sad to us talking to a friend about about this recently, where it's, you know, Facebook posts are everywhere. You know, well, if you're not a Democrat, then I don't want to be your friend. It's like, we need to talk. We're all still here. And I miss that being able to have an intelligent conversation with someone who has opposing opinions. Exactly. That's how we get smarter and better. We work together and we come up with the, you know, and that's how we operate this campaign. I may be the co-founder. I may have been here 19 years, Mm -hmm. but we operate under the best idea wins because we're not here to keep doing this. We're here to try and resolve this atrocity. And I don't care if it doesn't have my name on it. That's the least important thing. The most important thing is saving Buffalo and doing it to the most efficient, best way we can. So, you know, we all count. We all matter. We all have ideas. And there's a way that we can work out things that are for the betterment of all of us and all of our future than for a few entrepreneurs who, you know, lay off 50,000 people and then give themselves a couple million dollars rate. Yeah, totally. You know? totally. It's like, they don't care about the people that, that work for them, you know. It's like it's just a ridiculous joke. And, you know, we all do matter and we all are on this earth together. And we either figure out how to live together and work together and make make things better for all of us yeah. for the future or, you know, the rich people are going to go shoot off to Mars or whatever and live there and we'll all die in the toxic mess they left. Exactly. And it'll be <laughs> super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I got to tell you, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. What's something, we're slowly running out of time, but what is something that you think, what is something that you would like people to know about Buffalo? Well, I mean, just that they really exist in the wild, that they still wander and and do all the gifts they're supposed to do, that, um, you know, these big, beautiful, magnificent creatures are the most docile, nice, you know, animals you could ever meet and their family structure and the way they take care of like native americans symbolize their round dance by the buffalo like when a predator comes to attack the buffalo they form a circle and they put all their babies in the middle and they fend off all the predators that come to get them and you know we're talking about grizzly bears packs of wolves yeah you know they take care of each other and i just you know it's the time where 
we got to start thinking for our future and we got to start thinking what we're going to leave here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a friend and I go surfing out in Newport, Oregon, and part of the Fukushima dock swept up on the beach over there. It's really opened my mind so much more that, wow. you know, it doesn't matter what catastrophe happens where. We all share it. We all share this planet. I've always said, like, you know, you watch any science fiction movie you've ever watched in your life, and we're always referred to as earthlings. And until we grasp that concept, our problems aren't going to get solved. And, you know, we're at a time when, you know, most of us, my generation, we're not prejudiced. And to hear, you know, all yeah. this new racist rhetoric yeah. becoming commonplace again, yeah. people aren't going to put up with that. People are tired of this. And, you know, we just need to unite amongst ourselves, work back in our communities, and find common threads with one another. Because if we don't, then these moronic politicians that have none of our interests at heart Seriously. are just going to continue to destroy this place, this planet, and our earth and our future. And so find a way to unite with your community. Find what's in your heart, your passion, and stand up and do something about it because we are the only ones that will. Mike, I'm ending it on that. That was beautiful and perfect. Thank you so much for talking to us. Like I said, oh, I'm honored and I'd come on anytime. Let's keep in touch. And um, thank you for your work as well. Uh, thank you so much. I'm seriously going to contact you about coming out for a couple of weeks. This sounds like a really, really interesting experience. And I can go vegan for two weeks for the Buffalo. That's no problem at oh, all. Oh, well, we have, we, we cater to a vegan diet, but we have many other diets. So you wouldn't have to even do that. Well, that sounds even, I know, I'm just sitting here like, oh, God, it's my animal show, and I'm confessing I'm not a vegan. However, I have before, and unfortunately, it's my blood type, and I'm a responsible eater. I only eat meat once a week, so please don't send me tons of hate mail. If I could be a vegan, I would be. But, Mike, like I said, thank you so much for what you guys are doing at the Buffalo Field Campaign. Super, super appreciated. If you guys are curious about them, Google this. Learn more about the Buffalo. They're really, really cool, and we've just found out a lot about them. I will be back next week. We are going to be talking about manatees, so we're going to the other side of the country and we're going far south i know it's going to be terribly exciting they're kind of like the buffalo of florida in a sense in the water but totally not at all but anyway thank you guys for listening have a great week and i'll see you next monday take care thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.